Welcome back to The Marketing Podcast, where we discuss marketing science, case studies that reveal successful marketing techniques, and strategic marketing analysis, where we model the data and turn it into financial forecasts so you have predictable revenue. I'm your host, Brandon White, and this is Marketing. Hello, friends. Welcome to the show. Today, we're talking about influencer marketing effectiveness, and we're going to take a look at two studies that appeared in academic journals that dived deep into this topic to figure it out. The idea that you're going to have a spokesperson or someone who endorses your product who is a celebrity from some walk of life is not new. It's been going on for decades, I think, since radio and television existed and now the internet, and it does work. But online influencers are slightly different than celebrities in that in many ways they're regulated by the algorithm of the platform of which they sit on. If you engage with an influencer on Instagram, they are regulated by the algorithm that decides whether or not to show their post to their followers. And there's a hundred different things that go into that decision Online influencers have to regularly create to actually keep their one audience engaged. And two is make sure that they actually see the posts that they're making so they can engage. So this is an ongoing process. And whether or not an influencer is effective or not is an actual a really good question to ask. I do want to mention before we get started here and we dive into this first study, which is called Influencer Marketing Effectiveness is that we talked about working with influencers in the EDGES episode number 239. So I encourage you, after you listen to this, if you are still interested and want to work with influencers after what you hear in this episode, that you check that out on the EDGE, the EDGE podcast, episode 239. The title talked about that the pay-per-post model is dead. I would agree with that, and I think after you listen to these results of these two studies, you'll agree. The first study, again, called Influencer Marketing Effectiveness, appeared in the Journal of Marketing this year in 2022, and they set out to answer two questions. Number one, does consumer engagement increase in response to influencer marketing spend? And two, can marketers enhance engagement elasticity by strategically selecting influencers and their followers as well as managing their content? That is, how do influencer, follower, and post-related factors interact with influencer marketing spend in affecting consumer engagement of a sponsored post? So hopefully by the end of this, you'll have some ideas on what you want to look for in an influencer and what the results are. So let's just dive into that right now and see the first thing that they proved, which was, and when I say prove, this isn't cause and effect. If you haven't listened to the episode before, you're not as familiar with scientific research, there's correlation. This had all of the findings they have here have very high correlation coefficients, 95 plus, in some cases, 97%. So that's a very high correlation coefficient, which indicates that it is not cause and effect, but it is related in a high degree with a high degree of confidence. 
So the first thing that they found is that influencer activity has an inverted U-shaped effect on influencer marketing effectiveness. So effectively, when you are looking for an influencer, you want one that posts enough, but not too much. And it makes sense. If the person posts all the time, then your post and that message could get lost in all of those posts. The thing that I was disappointed about when I read this is they actually don't give the exact post count, which I'm sure you're asking, and I know I was, but they do talk about it in general terms in that it is a regular cadence, which keeps the audience active and engaged and the algorithm looking at their post, but not too many. So I'm going to interpret this from a person who did build a social network and knows a little bit about posting from all those years working on it, is that you probably want someone that is posting one or two times a day, but not 10. I see some some of these influencers out there on Instagram, and they've got 50 story posts. And I don't know about you, but even if I'm really like this influencer, I usually just skip over it after two or three. If an influencer or a person that I follow has two, one, two, or three posts, that usually feels about right for a 24-hour period. So that's what my guidance to you from having some experience on looking for influencers, people I follow, and being an influencer out there myself and seeing what the engagement rates are. And generally, I do find if I do a story on Instagram and it encompasses 10 stories, clips, so to speak, I'm also talking about the fact that I didn't make this story as a story. So it's different segments, could be different pieces, and you will see that fall off. So that's just some guidance there. Second thing is influencer originality enhances influencer marketing effectiveness. So they do need to be original. If they're not, if they're just reposting things or re-saying things and not adding their own secret sauce or even idea take or whatever on it, then the marketing just isn't going to be effective. And I'd also, as I look here at this study, I had some notes that originality means that they're just not going to read off of a script. There needs to be some message, if you will, or indication that the person is actually using it, believes it, or is at least super convincing that they just haven't read it off of some script that the you, the the marketer or advertiser, is giving to them. So the more original, the more engagement. Number three, influencer follower size enhances influencer marketing effectiveness. They actually found that that is true and it makes sense. The bigger the number, the more people are likely going to see those posts and engage with it. I, I want to talk about this just for a second because we do hear a lot that sometimes going after smaller influencers who may have thousands of people but have higher engagement could be better. I encourage you, if you do work with influencers, to get screenshots of their engagement levels because it's just a simple math equation. If someone has 100,000 followers and their engagement rate is generally 1% of that, then you may be, be doing better with someone who has 20,000 followers and is getting a 30% engagement rate because they're posting original stuff. It's novel. It's funny. It's something. 
So you definitely want to take a look at that when you talk about influencer size. It's not just one dimensional. It's also engagement of that following. So make sure that you take a look at that. The fourth thing they found was follower brand fit has an inverted U-shaped effect on influencer marketing effectiveness. So this was an interesting one for me because what they're saying is, is that if you are, if you pick an influencer that is so on target, then you might not have as much effectiveness with that influencer promoting your brand. And that's because the person may get tired of it. They've heard the same message. It's such a fit that it's not novel. It's not new. It's not, it's just the same old stuff. So your message could get lost. So that that's an interesting take on that. You want to be careful. You hear sometimes people out there promoting and say, oh, you want to look for someone who's the exact fit. Actually, the science says, and the research says, you do not want to look for the perfect fit. You want to look for a good fit, but where you may have a twist on what their topic that why people follow them is that would give some original feel to it so that people will engage. The fifth thing is post positivity has an inverted U-shaped effect on influencer marketing effectiveness. So you actually want the influencer to be fair. And I wouldn't say they necessarily need to be critical, but it can't all be positive. Just think about yourself. I don't know about you, when I see these people out there and they're promoting the crap out of something and I don't hear anything that would be critical or something that they, it's not that they hated, it's just they wish that they had, it just comes across as more credible. And if it just comes across and is tipped over to a sponsored ad, then it's actually not as effective. And we'll elaborate on that in a second, in a minute, not a second here, but a minute when we look at this second study it actually talks exactly about that comparing a sponsored post to an influencer post. So you you want to be careful about what that is and you want to coach that influencer on, I guess, what you want the post to feel like to the audience. The sixth thing is sponsor salience enhances influencer marketing effectiveness. So interpreting this or Defining this means the extent to which a sponsor brand is prominent in the post. So you want your URL, your at, your whatever address that you're going to give so that people can actually find you to be in the post, but not all over the post. Again, this builds on the last point that they proved, which was, or hypothesis that they proved, which was around the post positivity. There's a tipping point. And that tipping point is something that they don't define in this study in the sense that they were able to measure that because that's probably truthfully a whole study unto itself. So I would say that you've got to maybe even have the influencer practice your message because if it comes across as too hard of a sell, it just doesn't work as well. And the seventh thing that they found was that new product launch posts enhance influencer marketing effectiveness or in what they found after follow-up is that it actually reduces it. So let me talk about this for a minute because I've been inclined to do this too, is to have an influencer or an endorser come out when I'm doing a product launch. And as it turns out, the data says that it's not as effective. And it makes sense if you break this down 
because how could someone be so positive about something that they haven't used? In fact, I get approached all the time, we do here at The Edge, and actually across all of our podcasts on business, our marketing podcasts, and other ones that people will come out and say, hey, can you promote this? And I say, hey, when, how long have you been around? I, I First of all, I'm not going to promote, first of all, for me, I'm not going to promote something that I haven't used. doesn't mean that I need to use it all the time, but I do need to use it. Second of all, if it's so new, then having me promote it is actually not a good idea. And it's not a good idea for any influencer because the audience is going to ask the simple question, how can this person be promoting the goodness out of this thing? And it's just new. Now, if there's a story around uh, the person had a bait, was in a beta for a long time, that's different. But the influencer or spokesperson needs to explain that and needs to disclose that. Otherwise, you just get no credibility. And that was a big find from this study is that the new product launch just is not a winning combination. We've been talking about effectiveness. And I think we need to define what effectiveness means. This study, the effectiveness was measured by shares, likes, and comments. So this is interesting, and I want to break this down, which is going to lead me to the next study, because we, and I I on purpose didn't mention this to illustrate this, is that when we hear effectiveness, we were like, oh, well, that works. Well, what does works mean? We really need to ask that. For me, what works is sales, unless we're doing a branding and awareness exercise. What this study really says is that it is effective at getting engagements, likes, and comments, which will drive brand awareness. A downfall of this study, and what I was really disappointed with, is that they didn't track sales. Because at the end of the day, when a lot of these marketing tools like influencers used, Ultimately, we want sales. I don't think we generally say we're going to drive brand awareness with hiring an influencer. We actually want it to get to sales. Now, we could do that, but in this case and in this study, it is not tied to sales at all. It doesn't mean it's bad because people are going to learn about your brand and you could combine that with retargeting, which we'll talk about in the, with the next study to basically follow up with that. So there could be a strategy here, but uh, be aware that this study effectivist meant shares, likes, and comments. So to summarize, the findings of this show that influencer originality, follower size, and sponsor salience enhance effectiveness of the post, but announcing a new product launch actually diminishes it. So that, and I'll put this, link to the study in the show notes. The study is called Influencer Marketing Effectiveness. Again, it was in the Journal of Marketing in 2022 this year. The second study we are going to look at was a study that was done in Nigeria of all places. I thought at first that this was negative and I almost threw it out and didn't cover it because I think cultural differences could come into effect, but they did such a large had such a large audience and number of posts and subjects and spend that it actually, I think, is an indication if using influencer marketing results in sales. 
And here's what they did. Studies called effectiveness of influencer marketing versus social media sponsored advertising. And what they did is they took out six ads across three product categories. The product categories were uh, beauty and makeup, electronics, and sexual enhancement. They didn't break down male, male and female in this as much as I would have liked, but I think it is a cross-section of men and females, especially as you talk about beauty and makeup. Electronics, I think, could go either way. Sexual enhancement, probably more in the male category, but three good categories that would attract and pe- uh, attract people to buy products and people buy or buying in these products all the time. So what they did was they spent money with influencers who talked about the products and effectively replicated the sponsored ads and then they took out sponsored ads and they spent a decent amount of money. They spent over $90,000 on influencer ads. Uh, if you're interested, broke down to about $263 a post, which I've seen different amounts out there for different influencers depending on their size. And I think that's a pretty good number as an average of what it costs. Let me give you the summary of the takeaways of this study so that we can get to a discussion on putting the two studies together, what they mean and how it can help you when you hire an influencer. I think that last that last study was really good at talking about some things and how you would pick an influencer. And this one's going to talk about whether you should be spending money on sponsored ads or influencer ads. They found that sponsored ads actually had more engagement as measured by the same thing in the last study, which was likes, comments, and shares and saves. They actually did save. So if you, if you know, you can save a post for the future. I do that sometimes. I, I do it when I see something that I might want to buy in the future or that I want to remember if it's from somebody and they post a lot and I want to be able to, to find it. And what they found was, was that sponsored ads actually have more engagement. We found that with some of the ads that we've done ourselves as opposed to the influencer. I think one of our ads on Facebook and Instagram has 3,500 likes and hundreds, if not thousands of shares, which always sort of shocked me a little bit. But turns out that sponsored ads are more effective at generating engagement than influencer marketing posts. Second thing they found out, which is the most important, is that to me, and I hope to you, influencer posts generate more sales, which tends to make sense because that's the whole premise of having a spokesperson. It lends credibility to your product. These followers are following these influencers. They trust them as long as the influencer isn't doing hard sales or basically selling themselves out, so to speak, and pushing things too much and becoming more of a salesperson than an influencer in their niche. The results were compelling and they did do their experiments on Instagram and Facebook. So even though it was in Nigeria, it's still relevant relevant to the platforms that most of you listening out there are on, whether that's in the United States, Canada, Europe, Australia, New Zealand, which is where most of our listeners come from right now. 
The third thing that they found is that when social media users save a sponsored post, they save more from the sponsored post than the influencer. However, they did do a follow-up with the people who saved post, and it turns out that 56% of those who were exposed to the social media influencer advertising message stated that they intended to purchase at least one of the products in the near future as soon as they could afford it, while only 32% of those that saw the sponsored post and saved it said the same thing. So it is very clear from this study, and I'll put the link in the show notes because I'm doing, I'm summarizing it here. It's, uh, I don't know, 14 pages long, has some good information, but these are the main highlights and the takeaway from it is that influencer marketing results in more sales. I will say that the sales of the influencer marketing do come at a peak, which makes sense because the post only lasts so long versus the sales of a sponsored ad, which sort of are over a longer time period. And just so if you're wondering how they track this, they actually had phone numbers and different phone numbers for the different ads. And that's how they were able to were able to track where the sales came from. I think the interesting part here is that we can take both of these studies together and combine it into an influencer marketing strategy with one, if we're trying to drive, if we're looking for engagement, meaning likes, shares, and comments, which would really be around brand awareness, then sponsored ads do that. If we're looking to drive sales, then influencers are better for that. And then going back, which you can rewind and going through all of the characteristics that that first study, Influencer Marketing Effectiveness, talked about as it relates on what you want to look for when picking an influencer. It's not quite as simple as just going out there and saying, hey, I think this person is a fit for our, our, is a fit for our brand and they have 3 million followers and we're going to pick them. Because you really need to study them. You need to follow them and you need to deeply understand what their message is. Because just going to a marketplace, which can be common these days and saying, oh, I'm going to pick that one because, you know, it gives some highlights. I really encourage you to follow them and get to know them to make sure that they're a fit for your brand. Again, the two studies, put the, put the link to them if you want to download them. They have PDFs worth reading, in my opinion, influencer marketing effectiveness and the other effectiveness of influencer marketing and social media sponsored advertising. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. As importantly, thank you so much for listening. Till the next episode, we'll see you soon. 